6.30 in the morning and it's completely full to the brim and probably over exceeding our capacity here, but who cares, right? We're going to praise the Lord whether we're shoulder to shoulder, standing up, sitting on the floor, it doesn't matter because why? He is risen. So let me just take to this scene here. If you remember the story on Good Friday, Jesus was crucified. He would breathe his last breath on a cross for you and for me. And I got the opportunity to sit down and teach my girls about Good Friday and to just to teach them about the cross and why Jesus had to die. And I thought, man, it's so humbling because I am completely undeserving of it. And for him to go through the, the pain and the torture and the punishment and the humiliation, all for people like like you and me. Well, if you read the gospel account, which we're getting ready to go into Mark chapter 16, you read the story of Jesus breathing his last breath. And the last words that he would cry out is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he would breathe his last breath. Well, if you open up your Bible to Mark chapter 16, we read, so I'm going to give you just a moment there to turn to Mark chapter 16. And as you turn, let me just ask you, uh, is anybody ready for breakfast this morning? Amen. Amen. (laughs) But Friday was kind of a disappointing day for the followers of Jesus in that day. Why? Because they thought the crucifixion, which ended in death, was the killing or the putting to death of all of their hopes This man that was going to come and to deliver them from Roman oppression and and bring them earthly prosperity and to raise his people back to the prosperous nation that they were has now been put to death because of Jesus dying and breathing his last breath. And then they put him in a tomb. And here's what we know, that he was put in a tomb uh, by a man named Joseph. A rich man owned the tomb. And here's what we have to understand. This is a little bit different than in our day and age. Jesus breathed his last breath and he died on Friday. And they only had a couple of hours to get him down and walk him and put him in a tomb because the Sabbath was coming. The Sabbath meant they couldn't work, they couldn't do it, they couldn't travel very far. So they had to bring him down. They had to quickly put him in a tomb. They didn't have time for arrangements. They didn't have time to, you know, to have uh, Jerry McGinnis come into your home or Denny Dalton or some of these guys to come and, and to help you along the way. There was no time for this. So they're rushing. They find a tomb. They place him in them. Now, here's what's interesting. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome bought spices And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. So here we see these women, the mother of Jesus even, some of his, some of his people that have been recipients of his miracles during his ministry are going and buying spices after the Sabbath has passed. Why? Because they are expecting to see a body laying in the tomb. They're expecting to see the body that was crucified, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, to remain laying there. So they went and they bought spices to do a delayed embalmment 
or anointing of the dead Jesus. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So they're already expecting this tomb to be filled and this tomb to get into is going to be very difficult. We needed somebody to roll the stone away. And whenever they get there, they look up and they saw that the stone had been rolled back and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. So up to this moment in time, all of Jesus' followers, we, we always call Saturday of Easter weekend, Silent Saturday, because it was the Sabbath, but also a lot of people sat in disappointment. A lot of people expected this man to rise to power and to deliver them from things that no one else could. So they sat silently all Saturday, all Sabbath, because the one that they thought would be the Redeemer was crucified. All that he could do for them, all of their hopes that he could do and provide for them was now put to death. And here we see this Jesus that you are looking for who was crucified, the angel said, He has risen, He is not here. The most important words ever spoken on the earth by someone other than Jesus was this, You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen and He is not here. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, right? Glory to God because the Father sent His Son so whoever would believe in Him would never what? Die but have everlasting life. In order for Jesus to grant us His everlasting life, He had to endure the fullness of God's wrath, to pay the full payment of our sin, which is what? Death. Not just a physical death, and I was trying to explain to the girls this past weekend, just breathing our last breath is not our punishment, it's not the payment for our sin, but it is an eternal separation which is the payment for our sin. So Jesus on the cross endured the fullness of God's wrath and experienced the fullness of death or separation from the Father. This is why Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus himself endures for just a moment the eternal punishment and separation that you and I are deserving of. But praise be to God that that Jesus they were seeking, who was crucified, he was risen. And this is what the angel went on to say. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they were, and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They were afraid. So whenever we come together today, this beautiful Easter morning, resurrection Sunday, why do you come? I mean, why do you come? Why did I come? It should be to proclaim that that Jesus that, that the world rejects is still alive. That 
the payment for my sin was paid in full. And guess what? Because he endured the fullness of my punishment, he also holds in his hand the fullness of life. And that life that we can receive now, the abundance of it, we also have all of eternity to spend with him. And I, and I come today not just because it's Easter and because I have to, because, you know, I get paid and I live next door, but, but I come because it is such an exciting moment to just picture as we saw a short video of those disciples running to the tomb in pure astonishment to see that this Jesus was truly resurrected from the dead. And we come, and I hope that you come to rejoice in the fact that all of your sin was paid for and all of eternity is now offered to you, all of those who call upon the name of Jesus. So you can rejoice today because it doesn't matter how difficult life looks. It doesn't matter how painful life becomes. It doesn't matter how questionable you may be. It doesn't matter how uncertain things look. It doesn't matter how dark things are right now. You can rejoice because one of these days you will stand before him face to face and you will sing glorious praises to his name for all of eternity. You will be able to see the very hands that were pierced for you. You'll be able to see Jesus face to face, the same one that would come, born of a virgin 2,000 years ago, to live a perfect life, to then offer himself humbly and joyfully before Pilate and all of the crucified people, and before all of the people at at the cross scene. And he would be mocked and he would be humiliated. He would be spit upon. He would be slapped. He would be uh, just purely tortured. Why? To endure the joy set before him. It was actually the Father's will to crush him. Why? So he could save you. So he could save me. So the angel tells the people, or tells the women on that day, he said, go and to tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. So the angel encourages these women to go and to share the good news that Jesus is alive. That is what you and I should do, not just today, but every day. We should be compelled by the resurrection of Jesus to go and to share the good news that, guess what? He is alive. So hell, sin, and death can boast all at once. But as Paul said, death, where is your sting? There is no more sting from death because our Savior has resurrected. You know, one thing that we read about in Peter's first letter is that he because of the resurrection of Jesus, you and I have an inheritance awaiting us in heaven that is imperishable, undefiled, and it is waiting. We have something better to look forward to. So one thing I wrote down was I, re- I realized the life that we live in. We have an undefiled and perishable inheritance waiting for people like you and me. So here are a few things that will be no more. Broken hearts will be no more. Joint pain, anybody over 30s can say amen, will be no more. There will be no heating pads. There will be no biofreeze. There will be no doctors in heaven. Dysfunctional families will be no more. Abusive relationships will be no more. Drunkenness and addiction will be no more. Liver failure will be no more. Heart failure will be no more. Dementia will be no more. Cancer will be no more. 
any form of disease, disorder, or brokenness, guess what? Will be no more. In that place where there is no more pain, there is no more sorrow, there is no death, and our Savior Himself will wipe away all of our tears from our very eyes. And in that place there will be a fullness of life that we can't comprehend yet, but we long to see. And we ought to live the rest of our lives longing to see that undefiled, imperishable inheritance that Jesus offers to people like us. People that call upon His name. See, when Jesus was dead and buried, all of their hope that he could do for them was put to death. They sat Saturday probably discussing stories of, man, he, he raised this person from the dead. He, he was able to heal the blind. He was able to heal the leper. He was able to restore all of these people and he performed all of these miracles and he was able to do all of these beautiful signs and wonders, but now he lay in a tomb. And on Saturday, they probably sat and told stories, wept, and sat in fear because we spent how much of our lives, how much of our resources, we've sacrificed everything to follow this man that we just thought and we just knew he would be the one. Well, the beautiful thing is the story didn't end on Friday and the story didn't end on Saturday, but Sunday was coming. And when Sunday did come, all the hope and those women was alive again. The, the Bible says that they left in astonishment and fear. They were afraid. They were very unsure of what happened. But soon they would realize that he was truly alive as they laid their eyes upon him. And as he would communicate to them. And his, he would instruct them what was about to happen after he would finally leave them. He spent 40 days seeing his followers and instructing them and preparing them for the time in which he would ascend into his heavenly throne where he still sits today interceding for you and me. And he gets to hear, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he gets to hear churches all over our nation today proclaim the goodness of his mercy and his grace. And he's hearing songs and he's hearing people weep and he's hearing, you know, life's testimonies and stories daily because of what? His resurrection. If it wasn't for his resurrection, Paul says that our faith would be vain. That we would be, it would be pointless for us to come here at 6.30 in the morning. And some of you probably already think that. But it would be pointless for us to come here at 6.30. It would be pointless for us to come every Sunday at 10.30 or 9.30 or 8.30, whatever time it is, to worship him and to proclaim his good news. But because of the resurrection, our faith is truly validated in him. So that you can walk by faith. Let me just share a few things with you for just a moment that is still alive for you. Because of his resurrection, not only do we have eternity to look forward to for those who call upon his name and abide in him. New born again believers have the ability to rejoice today because of his resurrection. But there's a lot of things that we hope for in this life that if it wasn't for the resurrection would be simply put to death. Let me just list a few of those things. Our hope for a restored marriage is alive again. Our hope for healing is alive. Our hope for prodigal children to come home is alive. Our hope for peace is alive. Our hope for joy is alive. Our hope for purpose is alive. Our hope for forgiveness is alive. 
our hope for everlasting life in a place that has to be better than this, it's got to be better than this, is alive. Our hope and our longing for an inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable, is alive. And we rejoice today because Jesus truly is alive. That's why we come today. So as we come to rejoice and to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, we also come to rejoice because He promised before He left that He would send a helper to His people. We know that helper, that comforter to be the Holy Spirit. And He is offered to all people who call upon His name. And the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said, now is alive in us. So regardless of what life looks like, regardless of how painful it may be, regardless of how unsure you were about coming today, about 6.30 in the morning, regardless of what tomorrow may hold, you can rejoice today because not only do you have heaven to look forward to, but the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in you. And if God be for me, if God be with me, if God go ahead of me, if God be behind me, then what does it matter who comes against me? There is no weapon that the enemy may ever form that will ever prosper against me because my My Savior has the final word when it comes to me. And He's alive. And because I abide in Him and He abide in me, guess what? I too will live forevermore. So politicians can do what they want. Activists can do what they want. Employers can do what they want. Neighbors can do what they want. Enemies can do whatever they want. My Savior's blood has the final word over my life. And it says, forgiven. And then the empty tomb has the even more in-depth final word that says, alive. So we rejoice today because the tomb is not only empty, but because of the tomb being left empty, Jesus promises the opportunity that heaven may be filled. And that all of us, one of these days, are going to rejoice with Him face to face for all of eternity in a place that there is no more pain. And that all of the people that are going to be there are going to be there humbling and and bowing before Him because He is still alive. And next Easter, guess what? The message will be the same. He is alive. So regardless of what your life looks like today, may I just encourage you for a moment... That if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear or worry about. Yeah, I know there's going to be decisions that you have to make. And I know there's going to be days that, that you get a little less sleep. And I know there's going to be things that you worry about. I get it. But in the realm of eternity, none of it matters. Now, if you are here today and you are not a born-again believer, follower of Jesus Christ, I plead with you to call upon His holy name. And to understand that you, just like myself, were worth him dying for, to redeem, to reconcile, and to make new. That you would just find yourself humbling yourself and calling upon his name and following him. Because he is the only way to receive this inheritance that is undefiled and imperishable. If we do not humble ourselves before Him, and if we just reject Him, then we will be rightful recipients of His punishment and of His wrath. But Jesus Himself came and humbled Himself to endure the cross so that those who do call upon Him, guess what? 
could be saved. That all of those that are sinful in their own being and, and broken people in their own selves can, and people who are just filthy rags in the sight of a holy, righteous God like we are could stand before Him one day with full confidence that He who knew no sin became all of my sin. That He who knew no sin became all of your sin. And Jesus, who became all of my sin, all of your sin, in, in Him, you and I could become the righteousness of God. I long to see the imperishable, undefiled inheritance awaiting me. But I long to see all of you there too. I long to see all of my family there too. I long to see all of my friends there too. But guess what? The reality is there are people in this room that do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I plead with you, if that is you, that you would humble yourself before Him. And if you are here as a born-again believer and follower of Christ, let me encourage you to do as as the angel encouraged the women to do. Go and to tell about His resurrection. To go and to proclaim the good news that, guess what? Jesus didn't just die for you. He rose forevermore. Jesus didn't just pay the payment in full, but he offers to us the fullness of life. So if I could encourage you with one thing today, other than knowing and proclaiming that he is alive, I would encourage you to go and tell someone or many. To go and tell. Why? Because every breath that we take, every minute we spare, is a little bit closer to our ends or the end altogether. And there are people that we know, there are people that we love that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that He came to bear their sin, and if they do not call upon His name, they will bear the punishment for that sin themselves. And that He rose on the third day to give you, me, and even that person that you think about right now, everlasting life. At this time, I want to pray. And for some of you, you're probably wondering, when are we going to take communion? Communion.